How would you like a business that makes most of its money from repeat customers? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Jordan West about building a brand with loyal and repeat customers through ethical acquisition. Now, Jordan started marketing when he was 22, when he bought his first Taco Del Mar restaurant and the learning curve was huge. But after five years, he had tripled the sales at this restaurant with creative marketing tactics. And after selling the store, Jordan and his wife grew their children's clothing company, Little and Lively, from a small at-home operation to one of the top 10 baby brands in Canada. Now, they did this with advanced digital marketing and Jordan is the founder and CEO of Mindful Marketing, where his passion is helping e-commerce brands grow exponentially. Now, in this podcast episode, Jordan and I speak about why he started buying businesses instead of starting them from scratch and the value that's actually in doing that. We also talk about why he strategically buys businesses and where those businesses actually sit in his portfolio and how he uses them to generate more income for each business. We also talk about taking people from not knowing who they are to knowing who you are as a brand and being in a VIP group and actually transitioning them from there to being a repeat buyer and even brand ambassador. We then discuss trust and how easy it can be to break that with micro versus macro thinking and how quickly that can be done and why you don't want to do this as a business owner and how to avoid that. We also talk about Jordan's marketing strategy, email marketing strategy for e-commerce businesses. Now, this is such a valuable episode that you guys are absolutely going to love. Now, before we get stuck into this episode, I do want to let you know that this podcast is not the only way I can help you for free. I have my due diligence framework 2.0, which a lot of people in the industry have been raving about, which will help you with knowing what to look out for when actually buying a website including questions to ask the seller and everything you need to ensure you can start to remove the risk when you're buying a business yourself. So to get that, go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources. And there's some other awesome free resources on that page that you can check out too. Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odis, where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odis done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash B-O-B podcast. Link will be in the description too. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on the Bob podcast. It's great to have you here. 
Yeah, Jared, really nice to uh, to be on your podcast after you being on mine. So uh, this is, yeah, I'm looking forward. It's nice that we already know each other a little bit. Yeah, it's good. It's good coming into a conversation when you've got some background and you know each other. And we, last time on your podcast, we're talking about acquisitions and uh, you've made some acquisitions. And tell me about that. Like you said just before we jumped on that you're like in the mix of three different acquisitions at the moment. Is this three businesses you're looking at or you're looking at acquiring three businesses? Where are you at with this? Yeah, I mean, all in sort of different levels right now. So we're a month into an acquisition that we made in uh, mid-May. We've got one that is in a sort of accepted LOI stage that's going to be closing on August 31st or 30th, if there's depending on how many days are in August. <laughs> and, uh, and then we've got another one that is just going to be a beautiful little tuck under to one of our businesses down in the States that's in a similar sort of, uh, similar sort of field. Cool. So how did you come to the realization of like, I'll buy a business? Like, how did that come about for you? So anybody who has built a business before knows how ridiculously hard it is to build a business from nothing, right? Like there are so many things that you need to figure out. You need to figure out the process. You need to figure out your supply chain, your advertising. You need to, first of all, validate your ideas, right? When you buy a business that for me, these are kind of seven, at least seven figure plus businesses. To me, those are validated, right? If they're already able to generate that kind of income, even if they're on a, a bit of a decline, we know that customers won't like their brand enough to spend, you know, around a million dollars a year at least. To me, that's a validated business that is ready to potentially scale or tuck under, or there's all sorts of things. Once you own one business, then there's all of these, like you could vertically integrate and you could buy your supplier or there's all of these incredible reasons to buy versus build. For me, the most valuable thing that I have is not money, it's time, right? Time is like the most valuable thing that I think that we all have. Yeah, totally. And so why not cut out three to five years of pain and pay a little bit extra to that business and then also have great terms that basically make it a no-brainer. That's where I'm at with buying businesses right now. Yeah, cool. So it's a great message for people that are thinking about like, oh, I don't know anything about business, but I want an online income stream. And a lot of people like trying to get out of their job so they can have more time with their family or at least be, you know, location independent. And they're like, I don't know how to start a business, but I want to buy one because imagine if you were to go back to not being an entrepreneur, how quickly would you have grown from the startup phase versus getting straight into business? How much quicker would you be? How do I phrase this? How much quicker was your education around business would it be if you bought a business? Be crazy, right? So I did. So, so my very first, the very first thing that I did was I actually purchased a restaurant and the things that I learned that I would have never been able to learn from startup phase. So it was a franchise and they had systems, right? And every good business has to have systems. If you don't have systems, you just have a job, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and, and generally a low paying one at that. So this restaurant had systems. And so that was the first time that I purchased a business. Yes, in the end, it was a horrible decision. I lost a lot of money, especially a lot comparatively to now. It was about $150,000. But in the stage I was in, that was a lot, a lot of money at the time. So I, I was able to learn what most people only learn after an MBA, right, of getting into business. But having that, that one failure, I think, really helped out with that. 
comparatively, so when we when we started to grow our kids' clothing business, things were a lot faster. And then and that was a growing, that was an actual growing business. And I we started to learn about that. But now comparatively, when we're buying these businesses, they plug in and the revenue is never going down, right? Once we because we know how to generate revenue, we know how to be profitable. The revenue is never going to go down on these businesses unless something cataclysmic happens in this world. But at this point, it's just it's basically from day one, you're making money, which is incredible, especially if you line your deals up correctly. Yeah. So are you looking at buying businesses that are parallel or in line with the other businesses that you have? Because you mentioned you could buy the warehouse or you could buy the manufacturer. This is what I was talking about with one of my clients yesterday who has quite a large Amazon and off Amazon business and they're doing millions per month. And he's like, like, why don't you just buy the manufacturer <laughs> and instead of buying like all these yeah. multiple content websites that you, you 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 could buy traffic basically what you're doing is you're buying you're buying your target audience traffic when you're buying content sites but what's your strategy when you're when you're purchasing these businesses like what sort of businesses are you going after and why and where does that fit in with where your current portfolio is at yeah so right now we've got sort of two target demographics in our portfolio we've got an outdoor sort of the outdoor niche, and that's uh, our American companies. And then in Canada, we've got more of the family focused, our sort of umbrella company there is the Kindred Studio. And that's our family focused sort of higher end clothing company. For that company, we're looking for tuck under kind of acquisitions, ones that make a lot of sense for products potentially that we don't already make. And then what we're also trying to do through that is double. We're trying to get new products and then we're also trying to buy new audiences, right? So with that, we can buy their 30 to 40,000 person customer list, as well as have another product that we can offer to our customers. We can get their wholesale list as well, right? And start selling our products into their wholesalers. So that's the kind of ones that we're doing right now. And I think once we have a good base of those, the next thing then is vertically integrating. So going down to our manufacturer, we're already, you know, on the service side, I already own an agency as well. So we've already done that. We've already ticked that one off the box, but it's really looking at what those giant costs are and figuring that out. So like our biggest cost right now would be fabric and manufacturing, right? We spend many millions manufacturing. So if we could potentially acquire our manufacturer, that would probably be the best case scenario. Do we know anything about manufacturing? Not yet. I recently got through uh, Chip Wilson's book from Lululemon, who is very local to me here in Vancouver. And that was the first place that he always went was to vertically, first of all, own, always own your manufacturing. And that was one place he felt like Lululemon had actually gone wrong after he was really in control of everything because they decided to start divesting their manufacturing. Yeah, I just put a, on my list a podcast with Chip Wilson with the Joe Polish that I'm super excited to listen to. And he is oh, a awesome. brilliant mind, Chip Wilson. I've, I've heard him before on another podcast and he's just, the way he talks about business and, and strategy and thinking is, is just absolutely excellent. I wanted to ask what, for people listening like that don't know, or what you mean by a tuck under business? Are we talking about you've got like a platform business or a main business that is in a, the clothing niche and then you buy a business that you can tuck under that one to feed the main business? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So by tuck under, what what I mean is that it's it's not going to take us any more. So we could potentially use our same manufacturer right? Yes. We could potentially tuck them under. I, I, most of these I want to keep as their own brand because I also want to be able to split them off and sell them at points. 
Um, so one of the ones that we're doing right now is a, a baby bow company, right? So they make baby bows. We don't do that. The reason why I like baby bows so much, you're thinking like, well, that's like a $10 product. Like, what do you care about that? When we can sell them on our clothing, those people who are buying bows, when they're newborns, those kids stick with us for their entire life, right? Mm -hmm. Those moms then purchase clothing, right? Then they purchase pajamas from us as well because they know the quality. So that's why I'm so interested in newborn, a newborn type of product. To me, that's a good, that's what I'm calling a tuck under, that it's going to fit right into all of the systems that we already have. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I like I like your long term thinking there. Repeat customers, and I met, I saw that on your agency site, and I did want to dig into your agency because a lot of people listening are like, okay, I own an e commerce business, or I want to buy an e commerce business. What should I be looking at doing to scale before I get to the point where I like, all right, we're making enough money to acquire other brands. So when somebody first comes to you in the agency and they say, look. Jordan, we want to scale our e-commerce business. Where do you kind of start? Like, how do you identify some of the things to look at in the business before you even make moves? Yeah, totally. So first of all, we're going to look and see if they've got a loyal following, right? And then second, where is that loyal following? Are they just on email? Maybe they're just on SMS. Where are they hanging out? And can you aggregate them together? So the next step in that is creating a VIP group out of those customers, right? That's There's a lot of power in that when you aggregate your best customers all together and they're able to talk to each other. It's similar to like the whole idea of like a warehouse sale or something where everybody is there around your brand, right? Mm-hmm. And it gives more power to your brand doing that. So that that's the next place that we go right away is like, hey, let's create a VIP group here. Um, I recommend it to everybody, whatever size you are, create a VIP group, start now. And then we're going to talk about traffic and getting the best kind of traffic to the website and making sure that we then put them onto those own lists, right? So whether that own list is direct mail because they're a customer, is that list your email list, your SMS list, maybe your messenger list, but it's all about not just running ads for the sake of acquisition. It's running ads for the sake of getting people into your list because it's a long game, guys. Yes. Not not just yes. a short game when you're doing this stuff, right? This long sort of game that we're trying to play to give as much value to our customers as possible and for them to continue to come back to us. There are months at one of our brands where we will have an 80% customer return rate. An 80% customer return rate. I know wow. you're probably thinking like, well, maybe you should start acquiring more customers too. <laughs> but it's it, it just goes to show you that people love to come back, right? And so thinking about the tweaks that you may need to make to your product to get people to come back, right? Or maybe you're releasing more product or releasing product more often or iterations of products. That's where I start as far as strategy is concerned. And then we start scaling up ad campaigns after that. Okay, so let's break that down. You put people into a VIP group where's this group like on what channel can they or channels can this vip group be in and i know that you're playing the long game so do you do content marketing do you put content into those groups and kind of warm up that audience and get them used to seeing your brand and your products and your message and all that sort of stuff and then do you read like put them in an email list and do email me remarketing to them before you even do any ad strategy or do you do you know paid remarketing to them on these different plat- platforms where 
there may be ho- you may be hosting the VIP group. So what do you actually do with this group? How do you strategically pick that apart and, and generate revenue from those groups? Totally. So it, it's definitely an all of the above, right? So, okay. so the first thing that you have to do is first form this VIP group. Where are you going to have your VIP group? Where does it make sense, right? So for our customers, Facebook still makes a lot of sense to host a VIP group on. People still go to Facebook. It's a great place to have groups. Facebook is continually growing out the functionality of groups. They're really the place, in my opinion, where groups still make a lot of sense. But you could also build one out on Discord if you wanted to. You could build it out on Slack if you wanted to. There's a lot of places, you know, in the B2B world, Slack makes a lot more sense, right? Or if your e-commerce company is more focused on, on a B2B sort of that realm or your customers are on Slack, go to Slack. Wherever your customers are, just make sure that you house them all together and they're not separate. That's where the magic happens, right? The magic is when they're all together and they're able to talk back and forth and ask each other questions that are all centered around your product, right? And your business. That's the beautiful thing. So to get people into the group at first, first, I would start seeding from your email list, from your SMS list. I would start seeding from paid ads as well, getting people in. One really interesting thing that we do at all of our brands is we send thank you videos to every single new customer. So a personalized thank you video with their name, what they ordered, and then we ask them to join the VIP group. And so we get a lot of people joining the VIP group that way as well. That's awesome. Yeah, we've got a VIP group. It's a Facebook group and Facebook works well. Like Facebook is good because that's where most of my audience is. But I'm also in Slack groups. (laughs) The amount of Slack groups that I'm getting messages in, there's too many. I'm in too many at the moment, but I think it's it's a great strategy. And so where do you go from there? You've got the VIP group. People have bought from you. Some people have bought from you. Some people haven't. Where do you go from there? Do you look at doing retargeting ads on wherever you found these people on Facebook or Instagram or Google, YouTube or wherever it is? Or do you look at doing cold traffic first before remarketing? Yeah, so so definitely so... Yeah, so so you definitely need to have that that cold traffic feeding your funnel or flywheel or whatever you're calling whatever this traffic looks like, right? I hate mm-hmm. the word funnel because it's like, we're not trying to trick journey. people. Like, Let's talk about We're trying journey. to show them that that we have something. Yeah, 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 the customer journey. So when we're thinking about the customer journey, right? Everybody talks about levels one through five, right? So one is people don't know anything about you. Two, they've engaged with your brand in some sort of way. Three is they viewed content on your website, right? So they've gone to a product page in particular. They've not just your landing page. They've gone to an actual product page. Number four, they've added to cart. Number five, they've purchased, right? So those are the kind of the five levels of traffic that everybody focuses on. And those are the best levels to think about when you're thinking about your paid traffic. But there are levels after that, right? And the ultimate level is that brand advocate, the people who will go to bat for you no matter what. That is what you're trying to create with a VIP group. You're trying to create those levels six, seven, and eight where people have now purchased and now you're trying to actually ascend them into purchasing again, right? And you're trying to get them to go all the way down to level eight where they are now the people who are who are sticking up for you, right? So in our VIP group, we rarely ever post now. We, we just don't have to post anymore because our members are posting three to four times daily in this group, more than that, and then commenting on each other's posts. When somebody posts something about a customer service related issue, we don't do a thing. Our VIPs get in there and they're like, oh my gosh, guys, their customer service is the best around. We've never had such good customer service. Get a hold of them and the post is removed by them. We don't have to do anything because our level eights 
do that for us, right? And those are the kind of people that we want. Those are the people in the VIP group. We're not trying to get level ones to go down to a level eight, right? We're just trying to move level ones to a level two, level twos to a three, three to a four, right? Just one step at a time, you're trying to get them down there. So you need to seed all of this with cold traffic. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. You've got get people into the customer journey and you've got the end goal there to a level eight. What are some of the things that happen in between to get people to go from one to two, two to three, three to four? And I know that it's, I don't want to just talk about posts in the group. I'm talking about like, do you promote brand content to cold traffic to get them interested in your brand first and buy into your brand? And then do you start to slowly move them with remarketing into purchasing a product? And do you possibly go from, you know, do you do order bumps and upsells? Like what are some of the, like give me like three to five things that you would do along the journey of somebody discovering you. Oh my God, I just found out about this piece of content or I just found out about this brand to getting to a point where they're like even a five or a six. Yeah, 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 great question. So, you know, starting out at level one, right? Your whole, like like we talked about before, the whole job of you at level one is to get you down, your that customer down to a level two, right? So to engage with your brand. So how do people engage with your brand? Well, people engaging with your brand could be going to your website, just to your main landing page. And that is engaging with your brand. That's the first time they've ever been on the website before, right? We're not calling them a level three yet. They've just gone to your website and they might know a little bit about you. Oh, these guys sell baby clothes. Oh, that's cool. Maybe they've watched a video and they've watched 30 seconds of that video on YouTube, right? Well, hey, I'm going to call that a level two now, right? They know about your brand. That's why I love YouTube as top of, top of funnel so much um, because you can really like, if somebody watches 30 seconds of your video or we've, we've got some top of funnel videos on YouTube that we use that are like three minutes long and 75% of people watch through the entire video. Like What? How is that possible? And I've got all the kids filters off. I've got everything, all that stuff. And so that is, that's where we move people down to level two, right? It's just engaging with your brand in some sort of way enough so that they could then type into Google what your brand name is. That's all that I'm caring about at that point, right? Is showing them that kind of content. So what will often happen with when we start uh, advertising, especially at the agency with the kinds of brands that we work with is we won't always see massive return on ad spend spikes what we'll see are revenue revenue continuing to climb, continuing to climb because people are going, are they're learning about the brand because we advertise in a little bit of a different way. They're learning about the brand and then they're coming directly there, right? And so no one's really getting any attribution when it comes to any of this. Um, and and that's that's my issue with, with view through attribution. It's like for years up until like, what was it, 2012 or 2013? We never had the kind of data that we have now. We had to make these broad sort of decisions. And now we're like, why? I'm not going to market on YouTube because I don't, it doesn't actually pay for itself. It doesn't because they didn't (laughs) click through. Like you think a click is the, like that's the magic ticket. Like my wife and I were watching, we watch comedy every night on YouTube. And there was an ad that came up for, I forget what it was, but it was something she was interested in. She's like, oh my gosh, I've got to go buy that. Obviously, we're watching comedy. She's not going to buy it. She's not going to even click on the ad. But afterwards, she went to her computer, right? Went and made the purchase directly. Without so tell me who gets the attribution for that. I, yeah. you, you just looked. Yeah, you just saw a YouTube video, saw what brand it was. And we're like, I'm going to go check that out later. Right? Like, And on a different device and a different user ID, like that's it's untrackable. 
right? So we need to really get out of the mindset of like, everything has to be super trackable. All the in-platform reporting is wrong anyway, right? Everyone's trying to take a bigger piece of the pie than they're actually giving. And it's just, it's everything's all over the place. Anyway, that's how you move people from a one to a two. I'm I'm so glad that you said that though, because this is like the difference between micro thinking and macro thinking. Micro thinking is that like, oh my God, I don't have the actual click through rate that I actually need or the open rate or the whatever it is, percentage viewed and like all these little micro little indicators. Whereas I know that if somebody listens to say your podcast that I was on or this podcast and they get value from it. They don't go to the resource links. They don't click on anything and they think about, oh, maybe maybe I'll buy a business or you know, one day I'm going to actually, when I have my e-commerce business, I'm going to go to Jordan and go away and use their service. Like they didn't click on your link. They've never clicked on my link and then one in three or four months time, they just go, this is what I need. I've heard about it before. I've consumed the content yeah. or I've seen the brand awareness and they go away and get it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and we know about this at the agency world, right? Like I go on a lot of podcasts just like this and we'll, the biggest clients that we've gotten have been from either listening to our podcast and we ask them, we're like, Oh, when did you start listening? Oh, a year ago, a year. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so when, when we think like these calls to action, these like short calls to action, like, Oh, shop now, right? Some of our clients will be like, why are you using learn more instead of shop now? (laughs) Because you're telling a complete stranger to buy something, right? Would you go up to a complete stranger right now and show them something? No, that's why we hate being on the beach at Mexico when it's not protected because everyone's coming up just trying to sell you something. Don't Mm -hmm. be that person, right? Right. The people who do really well are the ones that sit back and have an incredible, incredible product, right? And then put the right message at the right time in the funnel to those people. Yeah, it really is about just seeding the message rather than going for this going for the hard sale because it's much more authentic if you've got a good product you don't need to worry about trying to make sales like straight away and like what you're saying about people consuming content is like most people have the ideology that an email is the most valuable thing you can have in your business, a big email list. And yeah, it's it's good, it's valuable, you can remarket to them. But I know that if people were to open, say, three of my emails and they're on my email list versus listening to one whole podcast, they're going to have more time actually listening to me and more time building a relationship with me and more time that they can I can possibly gain their trust to see that I'm an actual real authentic person versus just text via email. And that makes all the difference in the trust metric to one day they go, I need to either, I want to either buy a business, I'll go to Jared, or I either have an e-commerce business and I need to market it, I go to Jordan, even though they're not on your email list. Yeah. Yeah. So talking yeah, about email. Absolutely. That's, that's a, yes, talking about email, yes. <laughs> Oh, I was, you know what, here, let, let, I just want to rant for a second on trust. Please sir. So something inc- incredibly important is trust in, not just in B2B sales, right? But in B2C, building up trust is so important. This is why I hate having false scarcity, 
False scarcity just erodes trust, right? We say 10% off for a limited time is like, okay, so you're, you want to erode somebody's trust. Essentially, like when you think about, I love at the beginning of the seven habits of highly effective people, he goes into the golden goose story, right? And talks about the golden goose versus the golden eggs, right? We're always trying to strangle this goose to try and pop these eggs out while killing the goose, right? The, when you're saying 10% off for a limited time and you're lying, you're strangling the goose just to try and pop out an egg or two because you're worried. Trust is the goose, right? You've got to build up that trust with people. Anyway, that's my rant, my trust rant. <laughs> I am so with you on the trust. I think it's easier to break trust than it is to gain trust. And I'm so certain of this. And because it's easier to break trust than gain trust and when you break trust, the reason being is because when you break trust, it can happen like this. But when you gain trust, it happens over a certain period of, t- period of time. And it only takes one little thing to break all that trust, right? Whereas it takes a lot of things to gain that trust. And it's so easy to just say, totally. make sure you buy now. Make sure that I'm taking your money within a very short time frame when you don't really know who I am. Or even if you've been on your email list or listened to you or watched your videos or read your blog posts, all it takes is one little thing that you say that's like, oh my God, like, I can't believe they said that or did that or they believe that and the trust is just gone within your brand or, mm. or, or whatever it is. It's, it's, just, it's something that I don't think people pay enough attention to, especially in the digital marketing space of like, I need to get a return on my investment as soon as possible to make sure that I, this business, you know, and it, business is hard. I get it. You, you do want to make an ROI, but if you are playing the short-term game, you might just have a short-term business. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's exactly, yeah. I, I feel like you summed up what I was trying to say exactly. I had to get my rant out as well, Jordan. <laughs> so let's talk about email marketing then. Now, email marketing, some people, this is going to come back into what we talk about with trust and, and stuff like that. But sometimes people like in e-commerce products like email marketing, it just doesn't work for me. Reason being is most likely they're just trying to send one email per week with a discount code or buy now or sale, 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 sale. Can you run us over very briefly of like what sort of email marketing that you are doing that can help other people get results? Yeah, absolutely. So there are certain reasons. There has to be a reason that you send an email, right? And a discount alone is not good enough, right? Just sending out a discount that is just not good enough. So think about with your brand, this goes beyond email marketing, right? Think about with your brand, what do you need to do? to be able to be top of mind for your customers. So for us, it's putting out a new design every week. Every single week, we're putting out a new design. It's not necessarily that it's taking us a ton of work to do that. We just have it planned where we're like for, you know, 50 times out of the year, we're going to be putting something new out so that we can be talking to our customers about that new thing. And maybe that's that thing that they need or they want. Also, we do a lot of surveying our customers of what they want. So generally, when we put something out, we already know that they want it, right? And that's where a VIP group comes in really handy. Email-wise, you could email five days a week if you want to. If you're giving value and people are opening your emails, go for it. Email that many times. There are so many things that you can email your customers about that they would actually find value in, right? If you're doing content, email them out the content, right? If, if you've got something, only if it's helpful, If it's not helpful and you're just trying to just do self-promotion, 
I wouldn't do it. But emailing for for a reason, that's the big, big thing. And not just on this cadence of discount, discount, discount. That's boring, right? It's not a that's not a long lasting business. Those are the the big things. And then setting up proper automation within, especially if you're using a system like uh, Clavio, emailing them when they're, you know, there's some incredible things that you can do in there when they're about to when the system knows that they're going to make a purchase sometime in this next week, right? There's a very, there's very good AI that has that. Those campaigns and those automations do incredibly well. And then pairing it along with SMS, right? So think of SMS as your notification arm, your immediate notification arm of your email. That's where you're telling people right away. It's just those quick little hits, right? Whereas your email, you're able to paint a bit of a bigger picture. You're able to tell more of your story in there and how it relates to your customer, right? So I love Donald Miller and StoryBrand for years. I followed him even way before he was in StoryBrand. I read all of his books growing up as well. And he does such a good job of making your customer the hero, right? Always think about that. When you're sending an email, you're not the hero, Your customer is the hero, right? You're the guide that's trying to help them along their way. And you just happen to have something, some elixir or something that's going to make their life better. Mm. Yeah, I'm agree with you. Like play the long-term game with email and only share something that's valuable. And even when it's a a campaign, like a a sales campaign, if it's not going to be valuable to your audience on the email list, what's the point in sharing the, the email campaign and the sale? Like they're not going to like it. It's one little yeah. thing where you can break that trust and they're off your email list forever. Like this has been such an awesome conversation, Jordan. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we send people to check out more about what you do with your agency? Yeah, for sure. So uh, agency, you can find us at Mindful Marketing. Uh, so mindfulmarketing.co. And then you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Just search for Jordan West Marketer. That's my favorite place to be is LinkedIn. Awesome, guys. There'll be links to LinkedIn and your website in the show notes. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think of two to three people who are looking at buying an e-commerce business or more specifically actually own an e-commerce business. This is going to be an awesome podcast to share with them. Please share this with them because there's so many amazing things that Jordan and I discussed in terms of trust, long-term thinking versus short-term thinking and how to go from cold traffic to people that are a level eight and then actual brand ambassadors. So please do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them. That's it, guys. See you on the next one. Bye. 